0: Fighting for freedom every day. Broadcasting from the heartland of America. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the voice of reason with
1: andy hoosier yes indeed it is what's up welcome into it it is a pre-friday celebration greatest day of the entire week my friend we are just gonna carpe diem all over this place like we do every single day and it's so wonderful to have you with us along for the ride as well how you doing with this 2024 thing trying to get your work routine back into the groove i know it's tough you see the light at the end of the tunnel. Next week's the hardest cuz we have a full-on 5-day work week again that's going to burn you the heck out. So don't worry, we're here. We're going to keep you energized and upbeat going through that the best that we possibly can. Welcome into it. This is the voice reason I am Andy Hoosier broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations, TV live streaming, podcasting. However you watch or listen, your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day bottom of the hour new guest again on the program i love how we're kicking off this new year david osborne he's a senior fellow of labor policy for the commonwealth foundation we'll chat about the latest studies showing how much money that labor unions particularly public labor unions are donating to Democrat candidates in election season and are spending on special interest individuals that are trying to influence Congress on certain policy that actually goes against their agenda. How much money they're actually spending of your hard-earned labor union dues to be part of that union to properly represent you that's actually fighting against your own agenda as the working class. So we'll talk about that coming up at the bottom of the hour. Before we get into the big stories of the day, there's a lot to talk about with the obvious fun story of the Epstein list that has been released more on the way as well. So that's been enter- <laughs> It's been hilarious to watch because the people that have been listed, they're trying to go on defense right now. We're just completely ignoring it, putting on the blinders and just pretending it doesn't exist. Others just don't really care. But this is I'm telling you, man, this is the year we're lifting the veil. We are uncovering the lies, uncovering the dirt in society. And what does your parents always say? The truth always comes out in the end. And right now, the truth is coming out, and it's hilarious to watch. After years of the memes, pat yourself on the back. You did it. It was all you. Pat yourself on the back and celebrate this one. This is all you. For allowing this to finally come out, because you were relentless. You continued to create those memes and spread them all over, all over social media, saying that Epstein didn't kill himself and wanting to know what that list actually looked like, who visited Epstein Island. So it's here. In 2024, my gosh, I'm telling you, it's going to be the year for anarchy and chaos, but it's also going to be the year to expose the truth, whether people can handle it or not. So we'll have some fun with that in just a moment. But first and foremost, some What's sad news. Trending today? Some sad news coming out of the day today that we are covering. Not a lot of information as of right now, but according to Fox News, a shooting that happened in an Iowa high school at around 7 30 Eastern time this morning, as there was an active shooter scene at the Perry High School in Perry uh, Iowa, where officers arrived within seven minutes of the alarm being sent off, according to the Dallas County Sheriff, saying that so far there's not a total number of victims that have been confirmed in the shooting. But as we know, at least what they're saying right now, is that two individuals were sent to the hospital by ambulance to the Iowa Methodist Medical Center in the state capital of Des Moines. According to Fox News, a law enforcement told uh, the Associated Press that the suspect in the shooting had died and what investigators believe is a self-inflicted gunshot wound. That's all we know. We're not going into any speculation. We're not going to talk about anything else. We have no clue whether it was a, a student that was the shooter, whether someone else walked into it. Obviously, for those that know my history, that know my past being involved in a school shooting my senior year of high school, that it's something that hits home to me, so I'm very sensitive to that sort of stuff. But God bless thoughts and prayers to everybody that's involved. And coincidentally... This happens right at a time when we hear the Biden administration talking about their agenda for 2024. And one of those things, obviously, has been the increase of crime that they try to talk about. That's not necessarily the case uh, happening across the nation, especially with gun violence. It's been on the decline that they refuse to acknowledge or admit, which you would think would be a good talking point for a campaign talking about how great you've done over the past four years. They're talking about an increase in crime and talking about additional gun regulations. And as they talk about that within a week, then we always hear some type of shooting that gets everybody all riled up again. Now, Iowa, for the most part, being rural communities, is very pro-Second Amendment. For the most part, there are little pockets that don't do as well. But this is going to be another scare tactic to say, oh, look, our children are vulnerable. It's time to start repealing the Second Amendment or at least putting some more gun regulations into effect. Common sense gun reform, Uh, What are the universal background checks, red flag laws, all these talking points and nice little hashtags that people try to use that do absolutely nothing to keep you safe and nothing to get the hands uh, of guns out of the hands of bad guys across the nation? So we're not going to speculate. We don't know any other information. At least two individuals have gone to the hospital. The suspect apparently is dead after a self-inflicted gunshot wound, and law enforcement still doing the investigation. I find that a little strange that we don't know a whole lot of information. After the fact that it happened at 7 30 this morning, and it's now 5 o'clock Eastern time when the show is live, and we don't know a whole lot more information. So, obviously, I get it. It's students and it's young individuals, and we don't need to be naming names or mentioning them. But at the same time, it's very scary, very sad, and our thoughts and prayers go out to them. The year is definitely kicking off in a bit of a wild sense. Speaking of children, though, let's get into our under, uh, other what's trending story of the day. What's trending today? So, if you've been living under a rock and didn't hear or was not aware that the first round of nine hundred pages of the Epstein documents have been revealed to the public by a U.S. judge, releasing the names, or at least some of the names that have been visiting Epstein Island on the record. Now, from what I've seen, that I have. If you want to see the entire list, I'm not going to go through every PDF document, but you can see every single PDF document in the case if you go to courtlistener.com. And I'm not going to do that. But we can see some of the other names. But if you go through there, you can actually see that they're broken up into ones that actually visited the island, ones that just traveled on the airplanes of Epstein, and a breakdown of how many times, uh, John Doe number whatever. Like, I don't know, John Doe number 36, which ended up being former President Bill Clinton, which visited Epstein Island over 50 times with emails and documents of Jeffrey Epstein himself saying that from what he's heard that Bill Clinton, quote, liked them young just as example of those that may have visited Epstein Island, which we already kind of knew. But it is kind of hilarious to actually see the confirmation of that one, <laughs> which I'm not going to play the audio on the air because there's some explicit language that would not be appropriate or be approved of by the FCC on this radio program. But if you if you watch the video on social media, kind of funny to watch. Hillary Clinton apparently was down in Texas campaigning for Sheila Jackson, who's running for mayor of Dallas. Why in God's name she's going to try and be still be in elected office. For those that don't know, she's the one that wears like the bedazzled cowgirl hat in Congress. She's a radical left progressive individual who uh, can, who plays the race card anytime she gets an opportunity to do so. And she loves to bedazzle her cowgirl hat and her boots and thinks that she's some kind of cowboy because she lives in the state of Texas. Yeah, she's running for the mayor of Dallas. And God, God help us if she actually gets that seat. But Hillary Clinton was down there campaigning for her. And during a Q&A session, someone got a hold of a mic and asked how she felt about her husband visiting Epstein Island uh, roughly 50 times, which led to a whole bunch of people booing and a whole bunch of people chanting for Sheila Jackson and the law enforcement, the security of the rally, knocking him down and literally dragging him on the floor out of the venue. So there's that. Because now that it's exposed and it's confirmed, Now we don't have to speculate and then be able to hide and be like, well, there's no proof of this, and they just go about it. Now the truth is out there. The veil is being lifted. The truth is being exposed, and they're going to have to answer for the fact that, again, we don't have facts of the actual acts that they performed or that they did or that they partook in while on Epstein Island. But we can come to a general assumption on the difference between traveling in a plane, which the plane, obviously, there's nothing going to happen on the plane and then actually visiting an island where that's what was found at this island so we can come to a pretty decent conclusive uh, idea of what they were partaking in. There's some really fascinating names on this list though that did pop up according to the Sun.com which you can read with more than mine uh, according to the Sun more than 900 pages has been released so far on Jeffrey Epstein including Prince Andrew, Bill Clinton, Stephen Hawking. That's the weird one that blew my mind now Stephen Hawking, was in a wheelchair and wasn't very mobile, but yet was apparently on the list of those that visited more than once. And in fact, according to some of the documents, show that Stephen Hawking was part of, uh, I don't again, I don't know what words we can say on the FCC approved list here for the radio, but was in a group of adult activities with a group of minors all performing acts at the same time. We'll just put it that way. Michael Jackson on this list as well, along with Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Blanchett, and Bruce Willis. Although they are not accused of any wrongdoings with those three, as according to letters from Epstein, said that they were uh, at least on the plane, possibly visited, but had no wrongdoing proof, and said that they were clear from any action that was partaking at that place. The weird one to me, though, is the... Stephen Hawking, like one of the smartest dudes that ever existed and talked about physics and rode around in his wheelchair and couldn't even talk because it's had a little robotic thing. Yet yeah, that guy apparently on Epstein Island. Kind of strange. Now, some of them that were on the airplanes that were not accused of anything, but at least were listed on traveling with that included former President Donald Trump. So, of course, the left is going to nuts on him. Uh, Bill Clinton, Kevin Spacey, Naomi Campbell, Chris Tucker and Alan Dershowitz. Another conservative pundit. Now, again, none of those actually being proven to do anything, but at least traveling on the airplane log of Jeffrey Epstein. Now, let's take it to another level because, again, the truth comes out in the end, right? And all the truth will be exposed at some point. We will see. Whether you give blame to Donald Trump, whether you just give blame to the fact that we're becoming more aware in society, whatever your reasoning is, we're starting to become aware of what the true darkness, deepness, deep states, elitist, whatever you want to call it, politician, corruption, doesn't matter what they've been up to and what they've been doing behind the scenes of telling us how to live our lives, yet living their lives in a completely different fashion. Take this one with a grain of salt. This was an interview done on InfoWars with Alex Jones and the Alex Jones radio program. But this individual by the name of Jason Burmus says that not only has the documents been released, but there's more, more evidence that's been out there that has not been released to the public but is at least there, including videotapes and burnt CDs of certain individuals uh, with photos and videos of certain acts that were going on on Epstein Island as well, and that that stuff's about to be released as well.
2: What you're looking at here are uh, Maxter hard drives, and, and I'm a tech guy. You know, those are old school IDE hard drives that you would see in either specialized system or old school dvr recordings now i would imagine that that isn't just them taking each individual hard drive out of whatever day and archiving them although since we're seeing boxes boxes of them that might actually be the case in other words you can run it for so long and then they'll ask you to erase instead of erasing they may have replaced the drives outright or those could be the select cuts we don't really know but we do know that they were entered into evidence, and nobody, I mean nobody, would have those stacks of hard drives unless there was important information on them now.
1: All right, so that's according to InfoWars, and uh, again, take it with a grain of salt or not. Some people, ah, oh, that's just bunch of conspiracy, uh, conspiracy nonsense. On the other hand, uh, even on the friends like that, they've been very well at breaking certain information before anybody else. So apparently there are pictures of hard drives, And burnt CDs with photos and videos, like homemade videos on, remember back in the 90s, like the really cool kids when we got to actually burn CDs? We would have music and then we would burn it on a blank CD and then write on it with the Sharpie and then decorate it. There's apparently tubs of these things that were involved in actually uh, also part of the Epstein investigation that has not been laid to the public. Uh, For obvious reasons, if there is a lot of graphic material on those with the burnt CDs and with the hard drives, but there's some of those that are also part of this investigation that will at some point probably be released to the public at least in some way to know who's involved with this stuff. Interesting. We'll see how deep the rabbit hole goes. We'll see how far this actually goes and how much you and I will actually get to hear at the end of the day. Case in point, though, we're starting to realize how corrupt many individuals actually were And will they be held accountable for all that? Time will tell.
0: This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason
1: with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. 24 minutes past the hour. I'm getting the comments on the social media about the old school burning of CDs. Here's a little sneak peek for you. So my car still has a CD player in it. I know it's that old and it's kind of awesome. And I still have the old school really large case where you put, you know, the CD cover of the the case and then the CD on top of it. I have those still in my car and I still have many of my burnt CDs that I made in my car. As we speak right now, wild stuff, man. I know, totally going back to the kids, the young generation, I was like, what is that? Is that like an 8-track thing? Yeah, well done. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah. Again, whether you believe it or whether you know how much is actually out there or not, I'm open to really anything. And with this information, it wouldn't surprise me with what's going on with the information that may be or may have been confiscated over from Epstein Island. But the question that's going to be now, I think needs to be at least, is what type of repercussions are going to be had from individuals that visited this island? Now, do we have any evidence? Unless they're on video like that, probably not. But... We can come to a generalized assumption that if you're on Epstein Island, then things probably happened in some way, shape, or form. And I don't want to go into those details because we don't need to do so. But if we have information about Stephen Hawking doing some wild, ridiculous stuff, if you have a record of Bill Clinton going there more than 50 times with an email from Jeffrey Epstein saying that he likes them really young, then we have a general assumption. Will there ever be repercussions for this? I mean, having the information is great. I love all the committees that we start in the House of Representatives. I love all the different investigations we're doing on Joe Biden and the family and the Biden family and everything the Hunter Bidens doing and all the other stuff that we're. I love all the information, but it would be nice to actually have some type of next step of what we're going to do about it. And I don't know that we'll ever see that, unfortunately, unless we get the right people into office, unless. We make it a priority. And again, pat yourself on the back. I give you the listener. I give you the American people full credit. I know it turned into kind of a joke, but it was a joke that didn't fade away with time. Epstein didn't kill himself. We're not seeing the Epstein list. We didn't allow that to just fade away and disappear and just be ignored and forgotten. It's still going on today, which means we still kept it top of mind. We were not going to drop this one. We were not going to let it just fall to the wayside. And that's what we have to do. It's very difficult because for sometimes, usually it's just a fad. And then the fads just fade away and we forget all about it. And then nothing ever happens. And most of the time, you ever, remember as a parent where the kid asks you something like really little, I'm talking like two, three, four years old, they ask for something. And you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll totally do that. And then they forget all about it and they move on. Mommy, daddy, I want that toy. And then like a month later, they've forgotten all about the toy. You give them a box, an empty box, and they're happy as a clam running through the box. Right. That's what politicians were hoping for us. They still see us. This is the mentality they have of us. Remember, the the American people, the consumer, they see us as the child that has a short attention span, especially in politics where we don't remember their voting records. We don't remember the big issue of the day. Another shooting happens. Another catastrophe happens. Another terrorist attack happens. Another budget deal happens. Another government shutdown threat happens. Something happens to where our mind completely shifts. We forget about the current conversation, and it's all about something new. And the media helps that and makes it actually happen. But you didn't forget this one. You didn't let it go. You didn't drop it. You didn't just move on from it. And this is now the, the court, the judge, the U.S. judge that says, well, you know what, there's no harm in releasing this now. It's been long enough. And now we're seeing it. The people are still alive. Many of them are still here. And we can start questioning them about it. That case at the Hillary, or the, the Sheila Jackson rally in Dallas with Hillary Clinton calling her out on that. How does it feel to have your husband visit Epstein Island more than 50 times? That's not going to stop. And any chance that the Clintons had of trying to be in the public line again because they apparently just can't go away, Hillary Clinton still thinking she may have a chance to throw her hat in the presidential ring because Joe Biden is going to at some point have the operation fall down the stairs while trying to tie his shoe, commence upon him, that they still think they have an opportunity. This is going to shoot that out of the water. The next big secure vote for the Democrats has gone to the wayside because they can't run with this type of record being public. You did that. Now we got to take it a step further. What are we going to do about it now that it's proven you've done some really horrible things in humanity? It's
0: the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets radio. This is the voice of reason with Andy who Yes, indeed it is.
1: Reason, common sense, rationale. It's what we do here on the program each and every day. So wonderful to have you with us for a post holiday season, the pre Friday celebration. Moving right along here. Trying to carpe diem all over this place on a daily basis. So wonderful to have you. All right, I'm going to shift gears. The Epstein list will continue. We'll have more names coming out. We'll have some fun with those later. I'm still baffled by some of the names that were at least on there and then some of them that could be to come here relatively soon with more information. The potential of hard drives, DVDs, burnt discs of all the stuff that happened there as well. I doubt we'll ever see some of that stuff, but maybe that'll be part of the investigation that will lead to some type of persecution of those that were involved in those shenanigans. Only time will tell and we can only hope and pray that we see some type of justice be done for the atrocities that were done down at that place all right let's shift gears though enough of that shenanigans what's trending today i love talking about this one as well because we just came off a ridiculous strike we hear more strikes are planning right now it's uh, focusing on labor unions both private and public all over the nation do they actually help society or are they actually fighting against your own agenda as the middle class blue collar worker in the country because as you know it is much better in my opinion, to negotiate your own contract individually than do it as a collective group because you're really just not hurting, helping yourself in any way, shape, or form. So what does that look like? And there's a new study out now that shows that unions are spending a buttload of money in certain political candidates. I, I wonder who they could be. Can we Can we think about it? Would it be the Republican Party that they're sinking money into? Oh, man. Even if you're a Republican member of a labor union, your money's now going against your values. Even as a Democrat, if you think it's going for your values, then you should probably reevaluate those as well. To talk about some of those, really happy to have on the program a new guest on the show as well. He's a senior fellow for labor policy with the Commonwealth Foundation. Happy to have on the program David Osborne. David, how are you, my friend? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you. The money that we see going into certain candidates, a political party as a whole, coming from labor unions, astronomical leaning to one side compared to the other, isn't it?
3: Well, that's right, yeah. If you look just at the PAC spending that our biggest public sector unions are doing across the country, what you'll what you'll find is that about 96% of that spending goes entirely to the Democratic Party, basically turning some of these unions into a fundraising arm. This PAC money comes from the employees that they're supposed to represent, and um, and yet employees don't really get to vote on where the money ends up. As a result, you know Kansas is actually worse than um, tied for worse than any other state in the union. It's ninety nine percent going to Democrats. Wow,
1: it's not surprising. The teachers unions out here in Kansas are are ridiculous, and they they have that stronghold, which is why we see state lawsuits constantly about more funding for public education when the the public schools are sitting on millions of dollars of security funds in their quote-unquote safety net while they complain and sue us for more money, which is uh, not a surprise. But we're seeing that all over the country, aren't we? It's uh, really the the teachers' unions, these public labor unions that say, we don't have good money, we don't have good benefits, we need better stuff. But yet every time they get more money, they never seem to actually get it because it stays up at the administrative state.
3: Well, that's true. And uh, even if they got it, I hate to tell you it's true in other sectors too, it's never enough. I mean, it's a black hole. Um, even more concerning than what the unions are spending on the PAC dollars, it's more closely related to salaries. Um, they're actually using membership dues as well, and it's not just a portion of the membership dues. Um, the public sector unions that are doing the, 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 public, uh, the, the political spending, about 60% of that political spending comes from membership dues. And so the cut, whatever we end up paying our teachers, Unions get a cut of that money, and then a cut of that goes to the political spending. That's a real concern. So whenever you see a strike and, and, you know, strikes do work, and you're, you're right, not all that money finds its way back to the classroom. But that money ends up going ultimately to politics. That's why it's so important that taxpayers realize what unions who are representing teachers, at least supposed to, are ultimately doing with that money.
1: Yeah, it blows my mind when they fight against their own agenda. The prime example, and we'll use the teachers' union for an example here, under the Trump administration when he was doing his tax overhaul and the teachers' union came out as opposed to his tax bill because they were no longer going to be able to write off the investment they put into the classroom on their taxes. Although, even with that, they were still getting a tax break because the tax rate the teachers would be paying was lower than what they were paying before. So they were getting rid of a write-off, but they were still getting more money in their pocket My criticism at the time of that was if you're a true teachers union really looking out for the teachers and benefiting the teachers, why are you concerned about the write-off that you can get on investing money in your classroom for resources as opposed to going to the school districts and complaining on why teachers had to spend money out of their own pocket for the resources they need in their classroom in the first place? That didn't make any sense to me.
3: (laughs) You're right. And, you know, teachers unions are always complaining about what teachers are getting paid. Most teachers' unions have been around for 40, 50 years. I mean, if if they were doing their job by now, we wouldn't have to be complaining about the amount of money teachers are making.
1: Yeah, and they never get it. Again, it goes up to the administrative state. It goes to superintendents. It goes to the paper pushers. It never gets back down into the actual classroom with the teachers on what they're getting, and that's the sad part about this. Some of the other unions, I know in the study they mentioned the American Federation of Teachers, the Teachers' Union, the National Education Association, the American Federation of States, county and municipal employees and service employees, international union, and some of these other ones. It goes on and on and on of all of these, like you said, that is that, it almost comes to, comes to the mind that this fourth branch of government, these agencies, these departments, these organizations that are supposed to be helping were made almost intentionally, like you said, for a fundraising arm for the Democrat party.
3: Yeah. Well, you're right. And, you know, I served in the Trump administration and what was clear to us as we uh, helped with the with federal agencies and the unions that they were dealing with was that these unions are really not there at all for the employee um, most of the time these unions are here to keep their jobs and it, it, it the result ultimately is that you're right um, these the, the employees don't don't make out it's the union officials who are making out on the deal yeah. um, you' mentioned a couple of other unions the SEIU, the Service Employees um, uh, International Union, which represents a ton of state, county and municipal workers across the country, they're actually the top spenders. So we complain a lot about teachers unions, but it's the SEIU that's really driving the Democratic Party and the progressive agenda with membership dues. Um, they've, uh, they, they, will, um, they will take the money out of people's paychecks using government um, payroll systems. And then they they spend that money on progressive causes, um, and we barely hear anything about them. turns out, though, in a lot of ways, they're closer to the problem because when they represent state workers – I'll just give you an example from from my home state of Pennsylvania. Um, They help to get a, 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 a governor in office who's a Democrat, and almost as soon as they get him into office, they end up sitting down at the bargaining table across from him, and they're asking for giant raises. He gave these state, municipal, and and and, uh, and, and county workers, these unions that you've really never heard of, huge raises, 20% raises, basically in, in, in response to their support during the election. And, you know, he's only one of many, many governors. He was he received tons of money, as you'll see in the report. He was the top earner overall um, across the country. But and, and, and yet, you know, we, we really don't know much about what happens behind those closed doors. So this is a problem of transparency, and it can be fixed in that way. But but we've also got some other fixes that I'm, I'm happy to talk to you about.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, let's talk about some of those. We're talking with David Osborne, Senior Fellow for the Labor Policy for the Commonwealth Foundation. You can find them online at commonwealthfoundation.org. Uh Let's talk about some of those fixes. And as we do that, is it true, both for public and or private unions across the nation, that overall labor membership or union membership has been on the decline. Because from what we've heard after, let's say, for example, in the private sector, after the auto union strike that happened just a few months ago, that uh, they're trying to do this massive push, uh, essentially a viva la revolution, when it comes to trying to get more people into uh, labor unions on the private sector, mm-hmm. because membership's been on the decline for the past few years.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's tanking right now. Uh, we're going to see some numbers coming out in the next few weeks on this from the federal government. But, yeah, uh, the private sector has been declining for years and years, even in those tough, you know, um, uh, r- rust, collar, rust, uh, 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 rust belt states like Pennsylvania and Ohio, yeah. even in New York. Um, yeah, membership is on the decline in the private sector. And yet in the public sector, it's been on the increase for decades. And when I say public sector, we're talking, yes, about teachers. We're talking about state employees, county employees. But we're also talking about people like graduate assistants. We're talking about uh, professors. We're talking about attorneys who represent the state. These are not blue-collar individuals. Yet the unions kind of found a a spot and a niche here because they've never been organized before. And in that sense, it's it's a growing concern. Um, These people, again, I, I told you about state employees being kind of closer to the problem. These people are approaching management level and confidential employees, maybe even national security type employees. Wow. And that's a real problem when you've got a union involved at that level of state or even the federal government. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, it's it's in, it's increasing. What we, the only only uh, caveat to that is that since 2018, there was a case um, called Janus versus Afsme, in which the U.S. Supreme Court said that people don't have to be a make payments to a union as a condition of their employment in the public sector. And so since 2018, we have seen a small decline in the public sector. Um, just among membership. Now, the union still has incredible power as the exclusive representative of the employees who are non-members and yet are still represented. Yeah. But um, I do see the decline in membership as a sign that unions are really losing power since 2018.
1: Well, that's good news that the public sector has essentially kind of like a right-to-work law for them saying that they don't have to pay dues in order to be hired on as a public employee at a state or federal level. So that's really good news. David, we got to take a hard break here. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Yeah, sure, I'd love to. Awesome. I want to continue this conversation. I want to talk more about what we can do to begin to battle this. And again, I think it's good news, both in the public and private sector, with the slow decline here, people realizing, hey, I don't need socialist collective bargaining to actually take care of my wages and my benefits. I can actually work with a business, work with the government, work with my own negotiating abilities and what I have to bring to the table to set my value For my work that i do on a daily basis that's good news and we have to get more of that how do we enforce that and how do we bring that to light for more individuals we'll do that more with david osborne coming up right around the corner one more segment left here for a pre-friday celebration on the voice of reason stay here
0: this is the voice of reason with andy hoosier Fighting for freedom every day. The voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. I
1: will be expecting your hate mail for all those union members out there that are angry that I'm attacking your way of protection in the private sector. I'll be looking forward to that. You can email me hoosiermedianetwork at gmail.com. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. I'll be waiting on pins and needles for those emails. It's okay. I'm prepared for it. I enjoy this conversation. Hopefully, just let the seed seep in. Let it resonate. Think about it on is it actually benefiting you. At the end of the day, I use the prime example of the auto strike that we just saw. Now raising their benefits to an astronomical, ridiculous amount that's probably not in line with the public sector on what that value of that job actually is. Averaging at what, like, what was it, $60,000, $80,000? Ridiculous amount. They tried to go down to a four-day work week with only 32 hours, which was hilarious Uh, With that, And now the auto companies say that now the average price of a car is going to go up $1,000 per vehicle to compensate for all these benefits that they just had to cash out. And now the unions are like, hey, let's rally more individuals to sign up for unions and start unions and more companies, including like Tesla. Even though Tesla works very hard to compensate their uh, people properly, nicely, give them nice packages and benefits because, well, they want to take care of them. The best way to actually have... Your needs taken care of is to work nicely and have a nice relationship with your business and your employer, not by getting a union to fight that fight for you. I don't like that. Collective bargaining is a socialist mentality, and I'm not for it in any way, shape, or form. But, again, I'll look forward to hearing your hate mail coming up in just a little bit. We're hanging out with David Osborne, Senior Fellow of Labor Policy for the Commonwealth Foundation. You can find them online, CommonwealthFoundation.org, and go and check these guys out. David, let's talk about for uh, just a moment the changes we could potentially see. And let's say theoretically, with the elections coming up, that Donald Trump gets back into office. One of his agenda items that he said he wanted to do was abolish the Department of Education at the federal level, bring things back down to the state level. I can only imagine the searing hatred of the teachers' unions and these uh, organizations that would be impacted like that if the federal Department of Education just, poof, went away. What would that do to this entire industry, do you think?
3: Well, I I think the reason that, that Trump feels like he can say that is that it would it would not change the industry whatsoever. The Department of Education sets a lot of guideposts for our uh, our nation's teachers, and they withhold funding to some of the school districts based on that. But look, the funding can happen without the Department of Education. And ultimately, this is good. This may be good news, maybe bad news, depending on, on who wins the next election. But most of the policymaking in this area is done on the state level. Mm. And to me, that's very comforting. I've worked on the state level um, most of my career, and I found that one can actually move the needle, depending on the state that you're in and depending on the window that you have to work with, you can change policy in in, in our educational systems.
1: Yeah, it's tough, but you can do it. I mean, we saw the three recalls they tried against uh, Governor Scott Walker up in Wisconsin, here in Kansas. this This last session, we allowed... Uh, to allow individuals to choose schools outside of their district and have open enrollment across the state. We weren't quite able to get school choice as a whole with a voucher program, but uh, that's still in the works. Kind of hard with a Democrat governor. But you know, these teachers' unions, they are starting to see, that's, I'm just using them for the example because I like to pick on them a little bit, that uh, they uh, that they are starting to see their powers chipped away little by little. But you're right, a mm-hmm. lot of this decision and a lot of the, the, the uh, moving the needle has to be done at the statewide and local levels.
3: Yeah, so let me tell you about what happened in Florida this past legislative session. Um, Florida took a look at what Wisconsin did years ago, and they adopted something uh, that I call recertification. Recertification has has been around for a couple of years in Florida, but something wasn't working about it. So DeSantis went back to the drawing board and he fixed it. Here's what recertification means. Um, When unions come in, they often receive a vote from membership. Not always, but but membership often invites them in and um, and the, the public employer from that moment has to deal with them as a union. They have to, you know, they're mandatory to sit across the bargaining table and negotiate with them. Well, in a lot of instances, that happened not five or 10 years ago, but 40 years ago. Union came in um, in, in the 1970s into the educational system, and public employers, you know, school districts have had to deal with them ever since. What has not happened since have gotten to re-vote on whether to keep that union. It, ha- it happens periodically in Iowa, it happens in Wisconsin, now it's happening in Florida. Wow! And when you when you do that, um, teachers get to re-vote on whether to keep a union, just like you would with any other public official. Yeah. Um, you know, our senators get six years to demonstrate their value. Sure. Whether it's a year, whether it's five, whether it's ten years, the union should have to face re-election. So that uh, we can ensure that we've got a good union in
1: place. Yeah, well, just to revisit on whether it's actually serving your needs or serving the purpose of what they're supposed to be doing or whether they've kind of run off the board and done whatever the heck they want to do. We're out of time, my friend. I could talk to you about this forever. I love this topic. It's David Osborne, commun- uh, CommonwealthFoundation.org. Go and check it out. David, Happy New Year to you, my friend. I appreciate it. Let's do it again real soon. You know your stuff. We'll do. Hey, appreciate it very much. There it is. Back at it again tomorrow for the final day of the weekend. You set for another weekend. It's The Voice Reason. We'll see you on the radio.